This is the Saga of the Inukai Part 1 Aftermath. The Western Cove. The winter was particularly harsh. Perhaps this was the doing of the Kami. Perhaps they locked Rokugan in such a bitter, icy hell as to keep the samurai from bringing more bloodshed. In the early spring, as the relentless winter began to thaw, peasants from a small cove to the west of the Inukai Bay reported the discovery of a mantis ship locked in the thawing ice of the southern sea. Daimyo Renjiro-sama sent his most trusted samurai to investigate. They arrived to find a floating crypt. Imada and Otama, the Mantis brothers who spent so much time basking in the revelry of the white ashen stone, had committed seppuku along with their eight Mantis samurai. Upon the interior wall of their sepulchre of wood and pitch was pinned a note. We have failed you, our crane brothers. We hope that our beacon would guide you to us. But it was nothing more than the feeble, desperate hope of cowards. We do not deserve your forgiveness, though we ask for it with our lives and what little honor we have left. Masashi's Epilogue Upon reinstating Renjiro to power, Masashi retired to his parents' holdings to rest and recover from his adventures. When his mother, Abise, returned from court, there were many closed-door meetings with her and Renjiro, and much of what was discussed is not known to the outside. So, it was no surprise when the surviving members of the Autumn Wind arrived at the doorstep of the keep with Junichiro's heir and family in tow, claiming dishonor to the family and clan. They claimed that Masashi did knowingly fire upon Crane clan members with a bow when clearly they were setting up for an honorable duel, witnessed by his companions who did nothing to stop him. They claimed that in helping freeing Ranjiro, a known and admitted to shirking his responsibilities as daimyo, he has brought shame to the clan. Ranjiro is clearly unfit to lead, as is witnessed by the actions of his most trusted samurai. They claim that in attacking the legal and legitimate ruling daimyo, it was an act, treason, and assassination. They also claim that they involved the Lion Clan and dispersed their name and reputation as well by claiming tainted weapons were associated with that clan and taking advantage of innocent Kuratomi Arodi Virgin's daughters. Though there is the matter of turning Crane property over to Scorpion Clan interests without consulting the Crane Clan. As the accusations were being stated, Misashi kept silent, and remained so, even when confronted with evidence of treason. By his silence, neither confirming nor denying the allegations in the end, taking responsibility for everything, left just one honorable path open. So it was that he committed seppuku in Ranjiro's gardens, dying with honor. And as the only swordsman he trusted, Kuratomi Minasi, acted as his second, removing his head at the appropriate time with a clean, swift blow. Akumi continued her training as a shugenja in the years following Ranjiro's rise to power. She became known for her honor and wisdom and became a well-respected figure at court. Despite this, the time she spent in the crane capital started to dwindle very quickly, and she often found reasons to be away from her homeland. Though she always honored and paid homage to Ranjiro, she could never forget the dishonor that helped free him and the part she had played in that night. Being in his presence and seeing her old adventuring companions often felt like an oil stain on her honor and her soul. For this reason, she never again ventured out with Nakoma, Rokai, or Masashi. In fact, it was noted that she never again was seen in their private company, although nobody knew why. The Epilogue of Nakoma In the winter following the end of Junichiro, Nakoma spent much time in the company of his family. Of course, this meant many late nights spent at the Leaning Lady. His mother, seeing how heavily the burden of his deeds weighed upon him, secretly sent for his love, Fugugawa Ayaka, to come to the bay as the spring drew near. 
She accompanied the first caravan north that year, surprising Nakoma thoroughly. They spent much of every day for four weeks in each other's company. On the first day of the new month, it was evident to him that his happiness would only be found in Ayaka's smile, and he asked Lord Renjiro for permission to begin planning a wedding of the scale never before seen in the home of the Inukai. Renjiro was glad to see the smile returned to the face of his jovial samurai and granted his blessing. Nakoma then asked Ayaka to join him for dinner that evening upon the roof of his family's sake house. When she arrived, he had arranged for a single table for two facing the setting sun over the bay. In his usual manner, he didn't even get to the first dish before he blurted out his true purpose for the night. Will you do me the great honor of becoming my wife in two months' time? She laughed her mysterious and musical laugh, and they ate their first meal as fiancés. Nekoma's mother had calligraphers standing by, and within a week, invitations were heading to all corners of the empire. Food and drink were also ordered in abundance. The truth of the actual celebration will be lost to the hazy memories of the intoxicated, but rest assured that all the attendees had a wonderful time. The White Ashen Stone Scorpion Daimyo Fugagawa Ibei, father of Ayaka, diverted a portion of his family's wealth to build the second floor of the White Ashen Stone. He worked tirelessly so that his peasant carpenters would have the expansion finished before the spring, so that upon their return the Inukai would find the White Ashen Stone to be the grandest sake house in all of Rokugan. Furthermore, he spent more of his family's wealth to purchase the finest sake distributorship in Murasubichitoshi, so that the White Ashen Stone would be the only sake house to serve the finest sake Rokugan has to offer. So it was that he committed seppuku in Renjiro's gardens, dying with honor. Nine months later, to the day, Kuratomi Minasi gave birth to a healthy child. Many years after his death, many years after the death of Ibise, a letter was discovered among his personal items stored in a long-forgotten drawer of a writing desk. My son, I hope this finds you well. I am on my way back from court, and I must relay to you in the strictest confidence how matters seem to be playing out. Because of your actions, and the actions of Renjiro, Junichiro, and your companions, it has placed me in a delicate situation. There is much discussion in the halls and within the clan. Many are dismayed to hear the possible civil war among brothers, and through their dishonorable actions involving the Lion and Scorpion clans as well. There is even talk that you and your companions did take advantage of three lion women while off in the wilderness. Some crab were found that claimed to have seen you all camping together and sharing tents. Though I find this accusation ridiculous, it may gain traction with those who are not familiar with Kurotomi Irode's daughters. Though there may be many solutions to lessening the impact to the clan, there is still the matter of great dishonor among Jinichiro's heirs and family. Simply reinstalling Rinjiro to power will not solve this issue. His heirs might attempt a coup and try another power grab. They already have evidence that not only did you attack fellow Crane, but did so at a distance with a bow instead of facing them in an honorable duel. Your companions are also implicated as they sat by and let you shoot arrows at fellow Crane more than once and did nothing to stop you. It is my recommendation that someone needs to step up and do the honorable thing to save the clan, the family, and the Asahi Valley. You must do what needs to be done. This will solve many things. You reclaim family honor. You absolve the crane of dishonor. You absolve the lion clan of aiding and abetting in a coup. You absolve the scorpion clan of the same. You return honor to Junichiro's family, and in so doing, take away the bargaining chip that they would use to seize power again. You return honor to Renjiro, proving his trust in you and your companions was not wrong. Please do not do anything till I arrive, and we can talk more of this. With love, Abise. Weeks before the harsh winter relented to allow spring to come, a band of Kuni witch hunters came to the White Ashen Stone. They boasted with their stories of how 
they cleansed the Asai Valley of the Shadowland taint. They spoke words of ridicule of the Inukai and how inept they were in dealing with the threat. The leader of the witch hunters, Kuniyoro, spoke of the daimyo Inukai Tatsuku, son of Junichiro, saying that he was an inept boy, unworthy of such a holding. He went on to say that at least Tatsuku wasn't as pathetic as the previous daimyo, Inukai Rinjiro, who barely deserved to be called a samurai, let alone a daimyo. It was at this moment that Inukai Ueda emerged from behind a curtain of the back room and challenged Yoru to a duel to the death. It was in the streets of Murasabishi Toshi that Ueda and Yoru stood, as the magistrates and well-to-do bureaucrats, the movers and shakers of the city, looked on from the shelter of the street-side seating of the white ashen stone. Yoru struck first, dealing a mortal blow to Ueda, but Ueda stood firm like a mighty oak. Ueda responded with a katana strike to the neck, severing Yoru's head. Ueda died from his wounds later that night, with his pregnant wife at his bedside. But his family's honor was redeemed before the most influential samurai of Murasubishitoshi. At Daimyo Ibe's orders, Ueda's ashes were interred beneath the floor of the sake house behind the bar, where he will forever stand watch. It took five years before Rukai was willing to travel more than a day or two from Rinjiro. He was plagued by a constant feeling that the deaths of the Four Winds, Junichiro, the Mantis Brothers, and of Masashi could have been prevented if the Four had remained at the keep in the Asai Valley when Junichiro came for Rinjiro. In the time Rukai spent with Rinjiro, he learned much. He and Rinjiro occasionally spoke of succession. Rinjiro was always vague when he spoke of choosing an heir, but Rukai understood that at some point he might be called upon to lead the Inukai family. Knowing he was woefully unprepared, Rukai asked Rinjiro for permission to honor a forgotten agreement. Rukai traveled then to the lands of the Lion Clan to seek the hand of Koritomi Sugita. However, her father, Koritomi Irode, had not been idle in the previous years, and Sugita was currently being courted by the son of a daimyo of the Dragon Clan. The young dragon took offense to Rukai's actions and challenged him to a duel. After his quick defeat, the young dragon was heard to have claimed that dueling a mountain would have been less of a challenge. Rukai and Sugita returned to the Inukai Bay and faithfully served Renjiro for many years. They had five children, a son, Isami, followed by three girls, Sachiko, Rin, and Natsuki, and the youngest, another boy, Tadashi. Rukai and Sugita also took great interest in the son of Sugita's sister, Minase. While they could not publicly accept the child as their own, they secretly ensured the child was well cared for, eventually striking an agreement with Fugugawa Ibe for the child to be adopted into the Scorpion Clan. When the time came for Rinjiro to choose his heir, Rukai strongly encouraged him to select Nakoma. Rinjiro insisted that Rukai was just as capable of leading the family as Nakoma as his years in service to Rinjiro, as well as the counsel of his wife, provided him with the skills and knowledge required. Rukai accepted this confidence when Nakoma declined leadership of the Inukai Bay. For the remainder of his years, Rukai endeavored to ensure Rinjiro's faith in him was not misplaced as he continued to lead the Inukai family as his uncle had. Renjiro decided that it was time for Akume to marry, so she could perhaps find happiness and a fresh start. He quickly orchestrated a union between her and a great daimyo of the Mantis clan, who was overjoyed to have such a powerful Shugenja and renowned lady for his bride. This union was made to honor the sacrifice made by members of the Mantis clan who aided in freeing Renjiro, but had the added benefit of improving the shipping and trade of Asahina grains from Crane Lands. Akume accepted her duty said farewell to her family members, and boarded a ship to the Isles of Spice and Silk. Akumi found some measure of peace with the Mantis clan. She and her husband ruled over a large holding, and she created a garden with a great collection of exotic birds that was renowned throughout the region. This garden is where she seemed happiest, and she could often be found wandering its paths in solitude. 
She used her knowledge of court life to improve trade with many clans and brought great wealth to the Mantis clan. The white Mantis, as Akume became known due to her hair color, became an honored figure throughout the empire, and the people of the Mantis Isles believed that seeing her brought good fortune. Akume traveled widely, but while she visited many clans and courts, she never again went adventuring. After a recovery period of no less than two days, Lord Rinjiro summoned Nakoma to deliver news that he would be returning to Murisabishitoshi by sea and then on to Futsuka Keep to assume the stewardship of the Asai Valley. This news brought tears of joy and gratitude to the samurai's eyes, and he accepted this great honor. This journey took a bit longer than Rinjiro probably intended, as time was spent at as much time was spent in the white ashen stone. But shortly thereafter, Inukai Nikoma took his place, leading the valley that had given so much to his family. Daimyo Inukai Rinjiro-sama proved to be a most capable lord. The Inukai Bay flourished as he increased settlements along the coves near the bay, expanding the fishing waters. Each year he would declare different waters forbidden, deaf to the complaints of the local peasants. As the years went by, the peasants discovered that these forbidden waters in subsequent years would yield five to tenfold the number of fish. He sent peasants to populate the lands between the Inukai Bay and the Asai Valley, taking advantage of the rich but previously unexploited farmlands. The entire Inukai holding became so productive that many claimed that the Inukai could feed all of Rokugan. But there was one area he refused to cultivate, a region about halfway between the Asai Valley and the Inukai Bay, for a distance of one day's journey to the north and the south of this area, no peasant was allowed to farm. No one questioned this. In fact, in the two decades that Rinjiro-sama presided over the Inukai lands, no one questioned his judgment, for by the end of his life it can truly be said that the Inukai fed the empire. Okumi had three children. Tamara, a son, and the first child is destined to inherit the family holdings. A lovely daughter... Kurohiku was born next, and resembled her mother in appearance, except with raven-black hair. Finally, about ten years after leaving Crane Lands, Akume gave birth to her youngest son, Katano. It was a difficult birth, and Akume died before she was able to hold her son. All of Mantis Lands mourned her loss, and many other clans set representatives to her funeral. An elderly Ranjuro sent a Kyushu bird from his collection to be added to Akume's garden in her memory. Renjiro-sama died of pneumonia nearly 20 years after he became daimyo of the Inukai family. His dying words were, Jinichiro, I am sorry. I am sorry. But he left the Inukai family as the wealthiest vassal family in the empire. Renjiro's funeral was held at Futsuka Keep in the Asai Valley. The emperor himself sent a personal representative to attend the ceremony, as did the champions of the crane, lion, and scorpion clans. His ashes were interred in the keep's garden, near the simple wooden bench next to the ashes of Master Iwasaki Higo. Over the space of the next 20 years, Nikoma Nayaka created a large family, six children in all. The firstborn, a girl named Chiaki, grew to be a powerful Shugenja, learning much from her mother. Then there were two sets of twins born, identical boys and then a fraternal boy and girl. In order, they were named Takumi and Fujiwara, then Hatsuharu and Emi. All spent time training in the martial skills, making their father proud. Finally, they were blessed with a daughter, Aiko, uh, born nearly 15 years after they had made their home in Futsuka. Aiko was the apple of his eye, and he would tell her tales of many things he had seen and done, appropriately embellished, of course. Every fall, Nekoma made sure to send ten wagons laden with the beer of Tetsubamura to his cousin Rokai back in the bay. 
He would send a clipping from the garden when Jiro started on the last Mantis ship to leave Murasabishi Toshi to Ikume. And finally, he would often be seen sitting beneath the cherry tree he had planted himself upon a bench engraved with a bow. Nekomai lived a life filled with joy and died a quiet death surrounded by his family, a smile upon his lips. <laughs> 